This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. I enjoy playing the game of chess. Each piece, big or small, has great importance in their roles to guard the king. The queen typically is the game piece of choice. It is the most powerful, and the bishop and the rook are not far behind. But while most of my opponents work to protect their queen because of her great power, I find that the game can be driven with just a single pawn. While the pawn is the least in power, the, the entire lineup of pawns, when correctly placed, can sway the entire game in my favor. And they're inexpensive. Not much pain is felt when a single pawn serves his duty to turn the game. I can easily trade my pawn for any of the opponent's more powerful pieces and further protect my king without feeling a single regret. Much like the strategy that William Branham had with the deacons in his cult hierarchy. In the sermon entitled Church Order Doctrine, the sermon that finally established the cult as a denomination, William Branham says this A policeman, or the deacon, is a military police to the army. Now he's talking about what he calls the office of a deacon in the church. He says a policeman, or the deacon, is a military police to the army. Courtesy, but yet with authority. See, you know what military police is. Actually, if he carries out his rights, I think he's just like a chaplain, you see. It's a courtesy on everything, but yet he has an authority. See, you must mind him. See, he puts... These rookies out there get drunk. Why? He puts them in their place. And so is the deacon to put them in their place. Now remember, the deacon is a policeman, and the deacon's office is actually more strict than most any office in the church. I don't know of any office that's more stricter than the deacon's office, Branham says. That's right, because he's, he's a got, he's a real job, and he's God's man. He's God's man just as much as the pastor is God's man. Certainly he is, 
He is God's servant. Now, if William Branham had left off the entire paragraph and just simply said he's God's servant, William Branham would be correct. But remember, he did not. He started with a policeman, a military police to the army. To the innocent bystander, without a Bible, this may sound well and good. Because it matches almost every other single cult hierarchy. The king must have a lineup of pawns to police the outside Christians from teaching the real word of God and convincing cult followers to turn back to Christ and the Bible. I recently watched ordaining of deacons in a church that I attend. And having been taught military deacons from a cult, I actually found the experience to be very humbling for myself. Why did I not read my Bible when listening to this false teacher? Did I really think that this man's false teaching was greater than the Word of God? It was a humbling experience for me. According to Paul's teaching, there is no office of a deacon. The word deacon, or diokonos in Greek, simply means servant. It is the same word used for the man who served the food at the table, or the woman who cleaned the rooms. And we are all to be servants to others helping one another as we would want others to help us. If a deacon were to be an office in the church, it would be a much higher office than the pastor or even the prophet king. Matthew 23, Jesus says this, But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher. You are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. Jesus says, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Think of that. If deacon were in office, deacon would be greater than the prophet king. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Deacon is a very, very good role to have in the church. It's what we all should aspire to. 1 Timothy 3, starting with verse 8 and going through chapter 4, verse 16, is Paul's charge to the deacons. And it is a tr truly, it's night and day difference from what William Branham taught with his military policemen. Paul says, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them be tested first. Let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. I personally know several deacons in the Branham cult. I can honestly say that most of them that I know do their very best to match this, as we all should. Paul continues and he says, their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. 
Let the deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and managing their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons, servants, gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Again, the wives of the deacons that I know are very much an example of this scripture. I know that in some of the cult churches, some of you may have different experiences, but for me personally, out of the many churches that I have attended, I can honestly say that the deacons and their wives are very good people with very good hearts. Paul continues to tell the reason why we are to serve each other, servants for Christ. He says, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and a buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. And then he explains what the godliness is. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by the angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up into glory. Paul knew what the gospel of Jesus Christ was, the very thing that we should proclaim. And you may ask yourselves, why would Paul pause to tell us this when he's speaking about the role of the servants or the deacons? The reason was very important, one that Paul restates throughout each and every one of his letters. Paul says next, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Remember Branham praying to his angel. Ask yourselves, would not an angel of God have rebuked Branham for this? Just like the angel in the book of Revelation who told John the Revelator not to worship it. Could it be that he had a demon on the platform? Paul continues, he says, Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. It is now common knowledge, all throughout the cult, that William Branham lied. Throughout his entire ministry. Undeniable. He gives three different birth dates for himself. He tells story about his father dying young, and other stories about his father dying much later. Poor as dirt, yet close to a millionaire driving brand new cars. The list goes on and on and on. Was Branham's conscience seared? Paul continues, Who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. How many men and women are forbidden to marry in this cult? How many old widows have you known in the churches around you? Because they were forbidden to marry for one reason or another. How many teach that wine is sinful, yet they break it and they sin by drinking communion wine? When the Lord's last supper, supper was wine, 
Yet Paul says this. He goes on to say, For everything created by God, everything created by God is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For if it has been made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, meaning if you go and tell the brothers this, you will be a good servant of Christ. You'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus being trained in the words of faith and of good doctrine that you have followed. And then he says this, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. And there we have it. Silly myths, grizzly bears, antlers, squirrels, fish stories, cloud stories, myths. According to this single passage, we find that scripturally, according to Paul, there is not one single deacon, not a single servant who is living up to the scriptural duties according to Paul. These servants are supposed to bring these things before the elders of the church. How many do we find doing this? They are to put up a stop to these myths. They're supposed to say, hey, wait a minute. A squirrel being called, spoken into existence has absolutely nothing to do with the Word of God and likely is a lie because you've lied about this other stuff. Or the measurement of antlers. Who cares? Egg-shaped cars. Who cares? Deacons are supposed to put a stop to it. Stop this nonsense. Paul says they are supposed to call out the liars. They're supposed to train themselves in the Bible to stand up for the truth. Paul goes on to say, rather, rather, instead of these myths, rather train yourselves for godliness. For while the bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it stands for the promise, for the present life, and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have set our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. When Paul says we are supposed to train ourselves for godliness, there is only one that leads there. Christ and His Word. Deacons are not supposed to train themselves in some other man's Word, only the Word of God. The Word of God that is found in the Bible, and not filtered through the lens of any man, let alone a false teacher. They are to be directed by God Himself. The Bible is of no private interpretation. Paul charged Timothy, he said, Com command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth. In other words, you're young and you're going against some that are old, but if they're falling into these myths and silly stories, stand up to them. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Paul says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture.
He did not say, devote yourself to the reading of me, Paul, the church age messenger for your day, like William Branham did. Paul said, with the reading of scripture. To exhortation, to teaching, do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. In other words, do not be led astray. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. To the, all the deacons in the Branham cult, I ask you this. Have you followed Paul's instructions to be a deacon? Or, instead, did you follow William Branham's? Are you a servant? Or are you a military policeman for the cult? Did you train yourselves in the Word of God? Or have you replaced the Word of God with the Voice of God trademark that is stamped on the words of a false teacher and a false prophet? Have you yourselves been played like a pawn?